We are Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. We're starting a new series. It's called Refocus. Great way to start there. I love this time of year. I mean, I always love fresh starts. And, and we know that God's mercy is on you every morning and, and every day can be the start of a new adventure with Him. But there's something about this year where we reflect, where we look at what's happened, where we look at what we want to happen, and, and there's a sense of expectation. I think that's probably what I love about it most, this, the sense of expectation that actually this time I'm going to get through five of my New Year's resolutions, not half of my New Year's resolution. In actual fact, I, I drew them all out three weeks ago. I was like, if I'm going to do this right this year, I need a head start. And I got a good head start. I've had a little bit of a wobble on, on January 1, um, but I'm, I'm getting there on them. And uh, I'm pr- pretty sure most of you are also going to come into a sense of missing some of those New Year's resolutions. But I think from the start, it's important for us to know that actually His mercy is on you every day. As much as there's reflection and as much as there's contemplation, as much as we're excited for the new year, whatever happened last year, whatever happened yesterday, what, whatever happened this morning, His mercy is on you right now. And Lord, we pray for that this morning. We pray that as we start this new series, that you, we would experience and encounter your mercy. We wouldn't get caught up in what we have to do, but we'll be caught up in being who you've called us to be as we find ourselves in your presence. I pray that as I speak this morning and as I, as I attempt to, to convey what I believe is your heart for us this morning, I just pray that you would speak loudly, Lord God, and that my voice would be quiet and what is of you, let it remain, and what is not of you, let it disappear into the background far, far away, Lord Jesus. I pray for those who are trusting for miracles. I pray for those who are trusting you for, for great things for this year and even for things today. I, I believe some here need healing. I believe some have serious diagnosis from the doctor and, and you're saying, Jesus, I need you to heal me. I need you to set me free. I, I believe there are those who are here today who, who are emotionally scarred and, and they're carrying wounds and, and you're saying, God, I, I, need, I need your healing. You said your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I need to feel that this morning. And, and I really believe that as we share this message, that, that I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit comes and does that. So a new series called Refocus, Living with Heaven's Perspective. I'm going to give an intro to the short three-week series and look at the rule and reign of Jesus this morning, a topic that I really, really love. Um, Next week, Steve will be looking at living according to God's will and way by looking at his word. And the following week, we'll be looking at living in the victory of Jesus. So it's going to be a really great series to, to restart the year, to start fresh, to take on 2020. I wear glasses, as you can see. I remember getting glasses for the first time. I knew my eyes had a problem, but I kind of kept putting it off. And if there's anyone else out there who, who does that, you kind of, your eyes don't suddenly just get bad. It's over a period of time. And you kind of get used to seeing the world without glasses or with, without what should be clear. But then it got really bad, and I realized I really, I really need to get my eyes tested. I, I couldn't see when I was driving at night, and, and just things were very, very, very blurry. And I was like, okay, it's time. Let me go. And I remember that, that first encounter with the optometrist, really, really cool. Not like a dentist. If you're a dentist, yeah, awesome. But there's just something about that needle that, that just, optometrists are cool, and it's really cool. They got the, got the, ever put that big thing on your head with all the lenses, kind of science fiction. It's really cool. I remember that. I even took a selfie. It was really cool. But I missed because I didn't have glasses. No. <laughs> but I remember getting it, and it was a really cool experience until that, if anyone's had their eyes tested, there's that machine where they do that eye pressure. The lady, she was like, I just need to test your eye pressure. I was like, does it come with the oil change and the tire pressure change as well? But it was like, she says, I'm going to count to three and you're going to feel a little puff of air in your eye. And uh, they put your chin on that little strap. It's quite strong. 
And then she goes, one, two, and before three hits, like this hurricane blast hits your eye. I'm not trying to put you off getting your eyes tested. They do the same, both eyes at the same time. I remember I was like, I was tearing up in the other eyes. She's like, open your eye. And I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm trying. And then poof, hurricane force. Got my frames, looked amazing. Well, I could see amazing. And I thought the frames were amazing. But I'd been seeing the world with blurry, unclear vision. Maybe some of you can see where this is going. It's almost like I had double vision, and when I put the glasses on, I was like, oh, wow, wow. And you spend like so long, like, can I, am I serious that I was living like this? How is it possible that the world is so clear, so sharp? And I realized that we need help to see clearly sometimes. Rock asked me the other day, he, he was like, Dad, why do you wear glasses? And I think what, what happened was he, he realized that other dads weren't wearing glasses and I was wearing glasses. And my immediate response was, well, Rock, he's five. I said, oh, I think it's kind of trendy and cool, don't you? And he just looked at me. I was like, okay, cool, let me take this a little deeper. <laughs> well, and I realized I had an opportunity with him where I could actually give him insights into my world. I could show him my perspective for a brief moment. And, and I realized that when we see other people's perspectives, we get a new look into situations. People can see the same thing but have different perspectives because of their experience, because of past, because of how they're seeing things. And uh, I said, your world is very clear. It's very sharp. It's very bright, right? And he, he kind of nodded at me. And so I took my glasses off and, and I put them on very quickly. It wasn't a long period, so his eyes are fine. And I put them on and I said, and he was like, wow, everything's blurry, Dad. I was like, yeah, that's what my life is like without glasses. I need these lenses to help me see. To help me see clearly. I don't see the world you, the way you see it because I've got a problem and I need these to help me see it. And I, as I was sharing it with him, I was like, wow, this is a good analogy. Maybe somewhere in a priest down the line, we could talk about spiritual vision and we could talk about how we all need help seeing the way God wants us to see. And, and Steve said we were doing this series called Refocus, Living from Heaven's Perspective. And then I started thinking again about my glasses, and right now they're quite dirty, like a fingerprint here, a fingerprint there. When you've got kids, it's fingerprints everywhere. But it's also a slow process. Just like you don't maybe realize that your eyes are getting bad over a period of time, you don't realize your glasses are getting dirty, and then you're walking, and then it's like, it's the same, because your lenses are smudged and, and unclear and, and not focused, and you've got to clean them. It's a very simple message this morning. But you know what? Not only do we all need help to see the world through heaven's perspective, we need a new set of heavenly lenses, but we also need to clean those lenses from time to time. See, things happen in life, and sometimes we get hurt. There's a favorite saying I have with, with Starla when we're talking through things, and I say, Star, hurt people, hurt people. Working through something that may have happened at school that day, hurt people, hurt people. And, and here's the deal, Star, I'm also hurting sometimes, and in my hurt, I'm going to hurt you with the things I maybe say, maybe I'm going to be too... too too, too short with you sometimes, but at the end of the day, hurt people hurt people. When you don't have clear vision, things get muddy, and I wonder how many of us this morning just need a fresh touch from heaven to cleanse those lenses. Imagine we could start this year with heaven's perspective. Imagine we could see everything through the lens of the cross, everything through the lens of what God wants us to see it through. We get cut off in traffic, and we see heaven's perspective we maybe encounter a difficult time and we see heaven's perspective. Somebody is short with us and rude with us and actually outright horrible to us and we see it with heaven's perspective. And I know this is so easy to say, but here's a challenge for 2020. Let's 
ask God, especially in this series, to help us see with heaven's perspective, to give us those new lenses if we need them and to help us clean them. And the more I was thinking about it, the more I was reminded of Matthew 6, verse 22 to 23. It says this, and I'll read it to you. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. There's another Bible version called the Berean version, and I love it. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your vision is clear, your whole body will be full of light. If your vision is clear. How's your vision for 2020? I think we've got a great start this morning. I believe in worship, God was doing things in our hearts, but I believe we've got an opportunity today to say, God, I want fresh vision. I want clear vision for 2020. In actual fact, if you look at that word that they use for clear or uh, or for healthy, I think the NIV says, if your vision is healthy, the, the, the word is actually the Greek word, which means singular. That's why I love what the King James Version says. I, I, I love reading different versions because you get different understandings of the same word. It says this, it says, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. If thine eye be single, there's something really cool about that. If your eye is single, and immediately I start thinking about single vision versus double vision. And I'm thinking, Jesus, what you're saying here is that, like, if your eye is single, if your eye is clear, if your vision is set and clear, it's like Jesus is saying, I haven't called you to double vision. I haven't called you to blurry, unclear living. I've called you to single, clear vision. I've called you to be filled with light, with my heavenly perspective. Friends, the moment we put our faith in Christ, our spirits are made alive. The eyes of our hearts are enlightened and open to the wonder of Jesus and his presence. Filled with light and open to the realm of the spirit. Without Jesus, we don't have this and we're blind. We once we only saw the physical where once we were blind through faith in Christ, we now see with heaven's perspective and can see with heaven's perspective. And in that moment of salvation, I, I don't know if you guys can think back to that moment where you first put your faith in Jesus. Everything was clear. Remember that? Everything made sense. It was like for a moment in time where chaos had been reigning, it all made sense and it was all about Jesus. And from that moment, our lives began to center around a new light, not the fading light of day, but the ever-glowing, glorious light of Jesus Christ. And some of you, as I'm saying that, are saying, well, maybe I don't have that. Or, or some of you are saying, yeah, I remember that. And, and I want to see that light even burn brighter this year. And it was like, take the world, but give me Jesus. New heavenly lenses, all clear and bright. And then it's amazing. And it's always amazing. It is. Walking with Jesus is always amazing. But like I said, sometimes those lenses get a little bit blurry. Of what, over time, what can happen is we maybe lose sight of him. Hurt, sin, disappointment. And all of a sudden, we're seeing things differently. All of a sudden, it's like those lenses are smudged and unclear. One eye seeing Jesus and the one eye on the world, and suddenly what was once so clear and filled with light seems to be filled with darkness and doubt. And I think if anyone has served God for a period of time, you've experienced this. And maybe you've experienced it many times. We need help to see things that they way, the way they are supposed to be. The enemy, he, he, he wants to blind us to the light of God's truth. And even when we've encountered his truth and we've put our faith in him, he still tries to distort things around us because he doesn't want us to see Jesus. He doesn't want us to live with Jesus perfectly in our view all the time. He knows if he can just distract us. At the start of this year, let's see things with heaven's perspective. Jesus, would you come and clean our lenses if we need that? Would you give us your vision? 
for this year. I'd like to look now at, at, at a passage where, where Jesus, we're talking about his lordship and we're talking about refocusing and we're talking about seeing with heaven's perspective. I'd like to look at an account where Jesus calms the storm. And when talking about the lordship of Jesus, I was thinking about, should I go to, to the beginning where, where, the, where Adam gets this call and mandate and mission from God to be fruitful and multiply, where God gives him this authority and then he ruins it and, and gives that authority away and because of that we're in sin, because of that we have darkness, because of that we have pain and then Jesus comes back and restores that authority. The final thing he says to his disciples is all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. So it's like another moment where God is sending out his disciples to be fruitful and to be multiplied. Yeah, let me talk about authority. And I felt a no on that. And then I thought, well, let's, let's go to Revelation and let's talk about the rider on the white horse. Let's look at exalted Jesus coming and ruling and reigning and bringing justice. And like, yeah. And I felt a no on that. And then I felt led to this account, a well-known account where Jesus tames a storm. And let's see what we can learn from this account. We're gonna go through it line by line and see how we can apply it to our lives looking at how we can live with heaven's perspective. Let me read it to you and then we'll go through it line by line. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still, peace, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's look at this line by line and, and see what we can learn about heaven's perspective. That day when evening came, let's look at the context. What, what, what's happening here is Jesus has been teaching the whole day. He's teaching at the Sea of Galilee and there's a whole crowd, a massive crowd, so much so that there's no space. So he has to get onto a boat and he begins to teach from a boat, telling them parables, teaching and preaching. And, and I love how this account reveals the humanity of Jesus. When we're talking about the lordship of Christ and the ruling and reigning of Jesus, it's like very easy to turn to the end because if you read the Bible, you know what the end story is. You know the end because he tells us what he's going to do. He's gonna rule and reign that every knee will bow before him. Every tongue confess he is Lord. And it's awesome to have that because it's at the book end. You know that no matter what we're going through, we, we can look towards that and put our hope in that. But it's also amazing to see Jesus in his humanity, in his humanness, fully God, but fully man, walking the dust that we walk, breathing it in. Can you picture him on this boat? There's people everywhere. There's no microphone. There's no amplifier. It's just, he's rocking on this boat because the waves are coming in and out. And it's a gentle day. There's a bit of sun on his back, but a little bit of sun after a long time becomes a lot of sun and it tires you out and, 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 and you're talking the whole time and you have to talk louder because there's a crowd of people and as he says something profound, they murmur and they're like, well, what did he say again? And, and he maybe has to repeat it a bit. Just try to put yourself in that context. And, and Jesus, after a full day of that, he's tired. I love that. Sometimes I feel so bad for being tired. I'm like, come on, Aiden, pull yourself together. You, you've got more in the tank. You can do this. Why, why are you so tired? Why are you so weak? And here's Jesus. He's so tired that he's like, I just need to catch a rest. I need to catch a break. Maybe if I get an hour, two hours on the couch, on that little cushion in the boat, 
I picture them as they set off, that they're running for the cushion. Everyone's trying to get, how many times had they wrestled over that cushion? This time it was Jesus' turn. But ministry, giving, giving, teaching, healing, and he's tired. Sounds like a long day. So tired he needed to catch a little sleep on the other side where more ministry, on the way to the other side where more ministry awaited them. This real Jesus, real man, Jesus incarnate in real flesh and bone, feeling the heat of the day, feeling the exhaustion of ministry and life, experiencing the emotions we all face. Heaven's perspective for us this morning is whatever we're going through, he knows what it means to be human. Very often we can disqualify ourselves and stop ourselves from running to Jesus because we think, how could Jesus know? He's ruling and reigning in heaven so far away. How could he honestly know what I'm feeling right now? And maybe we feel something that we know we shouldn't feel and we're like, how can I bring this to Jesus? How can I bring this to Jesus? How can I be vulnerable with him? And he has Jesus so tired from teaching that he needs a rest. That encourages me. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was, verse 36 it was. The more I read it, the more just as he was struck out to me. And you know, there is tremendous social and cultural pressure on us to make Jesus fit in with society and cultural norms. And I think every single one of us, especially when you're wanting to make an appeal to people and to show them the love and life that Jesus has given you, that, that, that maybe you present him in a way that you know they want him to be presented. Or you try and make Jesus so appealing that we lose a bit of who Jesus really is. And I'm not saying Jesus is not appealing. I'm just saying that Jesus doesn't fit in any box we could try, put him in. And the pressures of the world will try, the cultural pressures, the social pressures will try and make us dilute who Jesus really is and who he says he is. And there's pressure on that. But the disciples took him along as he was, just as he was in the boat. They were still very new in, in their relationship with Jesus, in their ministry with Jesus, but they took him as he was. That doesn't mean they doubted. They, they did doubt. We see this in the story, but they took him as he was. Here's a challenge for us this morning. When we have heaven's perspective, we have personal conviction. And when we have conviction, we don't compromise. I think this is important for us going through the year, starting off strong. And what do I mean by conviction? I'm not saying rules and regulations. I'm saying conviction on what God has told you and what His Holy Spirit has revealed to you through Scripture on how you should live and what you should do and perhaps what you shouldn't do. And for me, conviction, what helps me understand the word conviction is, is this. Conviction is when I'm held captive by my beliefs. What I mean by that, if you look at someone who's a convict, they are held captive for something they have done or perhaps haven't done, but they're convicted of something and because of that, they're put away, they're bound, they're not free anymore. Conviction is the same, but it doesn't have to do with something I've done or haven't done. It has to do with my belief system, has to do with my faith, has to do with what I've decided about my life and about my family. So much so that I draw a line in the sand and, and regardless of if anyone else is doing what I'm drawing a line in the sand, I, because God has revealed it to me by his precious Holy Spirit, I say this far, no further. As for me and my household, this is where the line is. And that can be whatever you want. I'm not being specific because I don't want to ever be accused of preaching law and, and legalism. Our conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. But are we drawing a line in the sand this year and saying no compromise? I'm held captive by the belief of what Jesus has said in his word, and I'm going to stand by that. Not saying that we don't make mistakes, not saying that we don't get distracted, but we know where the line is because we don't want to compromise. We don't want to dilute this gospel. We don't want to present anything less than all of Jesus for everyone. Perhaps in the, for everyone, we might want to 
make Jesus appealing, but actually all of Jesus for everyone starts with all of Jesus. Heaven's perspective for us is that all of Jesus is all that we need. We begin to see through those lenses, we, we don't compromise on the truth of who he is. And even if that means we are ridiculed, even if that means people don't associate with us, even if that means people take advantage of persecuting us, which has happened, will happen, and will continue to happen until every knee bows before him and every tongue confesses that he is Lord. It's super encouraging, friends. This next point is super encouraging. A furious storm came up, and when the heavens broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? What's super encouraging about this is it is possible to be in the perfect will of God and experience a ferocious storm. I feel I need to share that this morning because what can happen when difficult times come and all of us will experience these difficult times through some way or another, we can question, we can begin to doubt God's faithfulness, maybe doubt God's love, maybe doubt God's calling, maybe doubt what God has already done in our lives because we're so caught up in what the reality of what's happening and how massive it is to us, it's real. And we could maybe even ask the question, what did I, what did I do wrong to deserve this? What did I do? Have I sinned? Have, I, have, I, have you left me, Jesus? And here the disciples are. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. They're doing what Jesus said. In the perfect will of God, and the storm comes. Now, I'm not talking about the storms of our own making. Let's be honest. We know how to make some storms. I've made a fair decent amount of storms in my life due to bad decisions, uh, due to unclear thinking, due to lack of conviction. It's very easy to blame the devil for everything. Like, you know, I got a parking ticket and I got booted. I'm so under attack. We begin to pray, Lord, I come against that wonderful person who put the boot on my car and I just know that there's a spiritual force behind that. In actual fact, no demon there, friend, I'm sorry. We just need to read the sign. There was a no parking sign. This is my story. I went and parked and I was going to do some Xfinity mobile stuff and there's this amazing parking lot and I'd parked there many times before and then I come out and I was booted. And you know what? I was, no, I don't want to. I was booted and I was like, well, where's the sign? And I turn around right behind me and next, right in front of my car, there's a sign almost the same size as my car saying, don't park here. I was like, oh yeah, I missed the sign. Got to look a little harder. They weren't even trying to hide it. But there's not a demon under every bush, although the storm, and we need to know this, the storm had demonic origins. It was a natural storm, but there was a power behind that storm. And there will be times in our lives when through our own mistakes, we create these storms. But I'm not talking about those, but through times where we would do nothing wrong we're doing everything right. We're nailing that Bible reading plan. We're nailing our devotions. Like everything's going right. And suddenly the storm. Maybe that's you here this morning. Some crazy things are going on right now and you're saying, God, what's going on? I wanna remind us that Jesus was with the disciples in the boat. They didn't realize what he was about to do. They didn't expect what he was about to do. And maybe they couldn't comprehend what he was about to do, but he was in the boat with them. Wherever you are at this morning, Jesus is in the boat with you. And if you would trust him and look to him, he's about to do something incredible. A furious storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. They were sinking and Jesus is sleeping. This encourages me, friends. 
because it's never too late to call on the name of Jesus. They're sinking. The boat's going down. And their cries wake Jesus. Something else encouraging for us here is that it wasn't the sinking boat, the creaking of whatever was going on. It wasn't the frantic activity. It wasn't the massive storm that woke Jesus. It was his disciples' voices that woke him. Jesus is attentive to our cries. Jesus is listening. Jesus is watching everything that we're going through. Heaven's perspective is Jesus is always with us. And not only that, Jesus is always listening for our cries. And he always responds. Just because we maybe haven't seen the solution, we haven't seen the answer, doesn't mean he hasn't responded. How does God respond? He responds with his love, his compassion, and his presence. Sometimes we don't get an answer. Sometimes we pray for things for years and years and years, and maybe that's you. But he answers us with his, prayer, with his love, with his compassion, with his kindness, with his presence. And that feeds us, and that sustains us, and that helps us through. It was a natural storm, but it was also a spiritual one. Like I said, the forces of darkness were behind it. What makes you say that? Well, first of all, on the other side, Jesus was on the boat going to minister to a man who was, who was uh, captive, held captive by demons. He was afflicted. And this man had so many demons that he used to live in the tombs. He used to cut himself and he couldn't be subdued. He was a wild man. And that's where Jesus was going. Jesus was going to set this man free. And the darkness didn't like that. Sometimes when we're, we're throwing our lives at the gospel and, and doing everything that Jesus has told us, like Paul and Silas preaching the gospel, they get caught up and they get put in prison for their faith. The storm of prison comes, the storm of persecution. The enemy doesn't like it when we advance the kingdom. And the disciples and Jesus were doing just that. The second thing that tells me that it was a spiritual thing was the power of the storm. These were seasoned sailors. They knew this sea, and they knew that storms would come, and they'd weathered many storms, but this time they were afraid, and they thought they were going to die. The power of the storm tells me that there was something behind it. And then secondly, uh, thirdly, the way Jesus calms the storm tells me that there was something behind the storm. He doesn't just calm it. He rebukes it. The wind did nothing wrong. It was just a force that was being used. But he rebukes the force, and he stops, and he brings peace. And here we have Jesus in his humanity, in his fully human state, by the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing absolute peace and absolute calm. Heaven's perspective this morning tells us that Jesus is Lord over all. Right now, whatever you are facing, he is Lord over all. I believe maybe this week in your times with God, just declare, Jesus, you are Lord of all. You are Lord over this thing that I'm facing. You are Lord over what I'm going through. You are Lord of everything I'm trusting you for. And I'm looking to you, Jesus. And Jesus is sleeping. And not only is he sleeping because he's weary, I think there's a beautiful example for us to follow in this and that Jesus is sleeping because his faith says, I will find rest in the storm. That's a challenging one. He's going through this crazy storm with his disciples and he's asleep because his faith was that there's rest in the storm. Heaven's perspective is that whatever you're going through, that God can find and give you rest in that place. Uh, Psalm 23 says, speaks about the Lord being my shepherd. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. And then it goes on to say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm surrounded by enemies, but God, there's a feast for me. I'm surrounded by the storm, but God, there is peace for me. The way to find that this morning is to come to him. There is rest in the storm. And with this, I'd like to end. 
What I love most about this whole story, and I'm trusting that this would encourage you the most this week, is that we're looking at Jesus and Jesus in his humanity, Jesus in his fully human state rises and, 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 and rebukes this wind and it's encouraging everything. But the fact is Jesus was still sleeping and he had to be woken up because that stage of life, Jesus had limitations. But that same Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins and was raised to life. And now Jesus is no longer the, the Jesus walking the earth in human frailty. He has exalted Jesus, no longer Jesus incarnate, but Jesus exalted the rider on the white horse who is seated at the right hand of God the Father, ruling and reigning with all power and all authority. The Bible says that he laid aside his majesty and his power and took the form of a servant, took the form of a human and walked like we do so that he, he could be experience everything we experience, but could be the perfect lamb that could take away the sin of the world, the perfect one that was perfect without sin. And then he was raised to life in that same majesty and that same power that he had before the creation of the world. He has that now. So where the disciples had to wake Jesus, we don't have to wake Jesus because he is always interceding for us. He's always praying for us. He's always looking. He's always listening. He's always waiting. He's always seeking us out because he doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. Psalm 121 verse two to four. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I wonder if the band could come up. We're gonna end this morning singing a song. We're gonna respond and worship, but heaven's perspective is that Jesus is exalted. There is no doubt to God's ability to reach down and save from God's point of view. He is able to do immeasurably more. And he invites us this morning to say, come to me, come to me, come to me. God, we all need your perspective because you know what's ahead this year. There are so many beautiful things ahead this year and there are also challenges ahead this year. This is a year like no other, but this is a year the same as every other. How we long for that day when we will see you face to face, where every knee will bow before you and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. But thank you that you are with us every step of the way. I pray that we would see that this morning. Thank you that no matter what we go through, that you're in it with us and you never leave us that we don't have to wake you, that you're not sleeping somewhere far off, you're not in the heavens far away neglecting us, you're right here beside us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray for every single one this morning that this year you would clean our lenses to see that you are with us, that we would step out and trust you for even more, Lord Jesus. God, I pray for an amazing year filled with evidence and signs and wonders of you, Lord Jesus, at work in us and through us. I pray that this year it would be a year like no other where we encounter your presence, where we see things with heaven's perspective. No matter what the enemy tries to bring against us, we know that in you, the victory is found, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us, anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.